Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. And uh, what are we talking about today? Well, the the topic or the, the, the title is when is an upset not so, or, or what was it really a surprise um, or something on those sort of lines? Uh, because look, we've had it in the media that uh, the All Blacks lost to the island was an upset. But uh, as Boa and I will chat, well, I'm not so sure that we uh, necessarily agree with them. But hey, it makes a good headline and who wants to let facts get in the way of things, eh? Other things we'll have a chat about tonight, um, obviously the other internationals from the weekend. We'll talk about the Super Rugby Pacific draw that's come out. Um, World Rugby has also um, announced the nominees for its uh, annual awards as well, which has uh, definitely led to some head scratching um, with uh, some of uh, the decisions that have uh, been made. Uh, good evening, Simon, who is joining us in the live chat. Uh, and uh, Good evening to Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very good evening and a very warm uh, welcome to everyone, particularly our regulars who join us on this show, uh, our diehard fans. Yeah, well, uh, in Dublin or in Ireland, as they say, never let a good pint of Guinness get in the way of the facts. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's lots lots to debate and lots to dissect. And, uh, yeah, look, very, very interesting, interesting weekend of rugby. Uh, more so for the results, as well as, uh, you know, what, some key talking points, uh, particularly around TMOs and what they can and can't do. Uh, and, of course, we saw some, uh, I thought, some really brilliant individual tries as well as some really well-constructed tries as well. So, all in all, let's get really stuck into it and lots to sink our teeth into. There are lots of things to sink our teeth into, but before we do that, don't forget you can always get in touch with me at Driving Mall on Twitter if you want to have a chat. Um, also, we are live at 8 p.m. on Tuesdays. That's right, uh, New Zealand time. So uh, do check us out. Don't forget you can watch us on uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and you can join in uh, the live chat on YouTube and Facebook. Twitter, unfortunately, doesn't allow that anymore. If you miss the show, uh, obviously those recordings are available, but also we put out the audio as a podcast so you can listen to us on your uh, commute to work while you're doing the uh, cutting the grass or um, 
anything else around the house really uh, and uh, or going for a run you know, at the gym listen to the our dulcet tones um and um to uh to, to energize you uh, so that's all how you can uh, get to us. If you'd like to support New Zealand Sport Radio, head over to patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio uh, and you can help us get all this fancy tech that we need uh, to be able to bring you these shows. So um, let's crack on and um, let's run. Well, let's quickly run through um, the uh, women's results, women's international results from the weekends. I'll be honest, I've not seen um, many of these um, games, but um the uh, island beat to the USA 20 to 10, um, which um, I think is a bit of an upset, actually, uh, for, for that margin of victory. Uh, look, Ireland have had some real issues uh, this year. Uh, and if I've been listening to the uh, Harping on Rugby podcast, which is a Leinster um, supporters uh, um, podcast that talks about Irish rugby in general. Um, and uh, when you have the, the AIL men's all the way down having referees, Whereas the AIL Women's League um, has to provide your own referee, you can't. They don't actually provide um, neutral referees, which is just nuts. Uh, they've had other things, such as uh, the uh, changing tents put up next to the bins um, for uh, uh, one of the games, uh, for one of the interprovincial interprovincial games. Um, it's uh, all been a bit of a mess over there. Whereas women, the USA, are one of the top teams, or historically one of the top teams in uh, women's rugby. So um, yeah, a great result there for Ireland, uh, Bar. Yeah, particularly after Ireland's disastrous uh, exit from the, the World Cup qualification. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it, it is a, a bit of an upset. And particularly in the USA, there's a, a very good uh, collegiate level or what we call an NCAA uh, level involvement for women's rugby. So, look, great result for the Irish women. And I think this might be the start of a, a bit of a rebuild. Uh, more so off the field than on field, because you know we 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 know that they they have the talent, they have uh, they they had the results to prove it as well. So the USA women probably feeling a little bit uh, down and uh, disappointed with this result. But all in all, I think it's a great result for world rugby as far as the women's game goes. So well done, Ireland, and uh, hey, they got the double, both men's and women's this weekend. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the Irish women's team beat the Black Ferns before the uh, Irish men's team beat the All Blacks. So, look, they, they've but they've been on a slide since then um, when they did well at uh, the Rugby World Cup a few years, a few years ago. Um, Wales beat South Africa 29-19. to 19. Um, Look, at, the main thing here is it's quite great to see South Africa touring. Um, and uh, for Wales, they've got uh, some new contracts. Uh, and uh, um, Nigel Walker uh, over there at the WIU is heading things in the right direction. Um, France beat New Zealand 38 to 13. I don't think that was really a surprise at all. Um, and uh, just goes to show that um, the, 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 the England and France really have marched ahead of everybody else um, in world rugby. Um, and uh, Boa, I'm not sure that uh, Super Rugby Alpaca is going to be enough to, uh, to close the gap. No, not at all, because test rugby at any level, both men's or women's, is, you know, it's it's that next step up. Everything is that much faster. The contact is that much more intense. The skill level is that much more sharper. So when you're playing a, a regional competition, you know, you're, you're probably stepping down a couple of rungs. Um, and look, no surprises. The French women were fancied and favoured. I'm a little bit surprised at the winning margin. I was expecting a far more closer game because 
obviously the Black Ferns have had a couple of games, albeit a couple of horror runs, to get some run on form back in um, their whole uh, situation as far as a touring side goes. So this is, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's reason to be concerned. There'll be some alarm bells going. Uh, so they'll, they'll have to figure out a way on how they can actually uh, come up with a suitable preparation plan. And they, they're going to have to try and jam pack everything in so that they can actually lift their skill level and ability to execute, particularly at the test level. So with the Apaki, I think we will really need to start looking at how players perform and what is actually expected of them and what is it that the uh, entire competition, what the Black Ferns, from a representative level, what their expectations are. And some of the players who uh, who will be involved in this, obviously, they're going to have to put their hand up as far as certain skills and skill sets are concerned. So it's going to be a very interesting time. It's going to be a massive challenge. I think there'll be some serious... Uh, uh, alarm bells going at headquarters uh, at NZR as far as the women's game goes. So it's going to be a tough, uh, tough old time. And uh, I guess the proof is it's going to be in the pudding. And, um, you know, defending champions, defending world champions, the Blackburn. So, yes, huge, huge pressure on them. Absolutely. The reason I say that, Paki, I think it's going to be uh, enough is it's only a four-week competition. But so, Whereas the uh, French and uh, the English girls have a full season England uh, continued their good form, 51-12 win over Canada, um, another team that historically has been very good at this level, but showing you the difference between being professional and amateur, essentially. And then the final game, Scotland beating Japan at 36-12. Again, uh, um, the main thing here is great to see Japan actually touring um, and getting these games in. So great to see Japan and South Africa. And that basically, this, uh, this, the, the, the number of internationals is increasing, which is only good. Um, some question marks, though, I would have around the women's game is we know that the men's game is not financially stable. We know it's also not uh, player welfare stable or sustainable either. Um, sorry, not financially sustainable. Not sta- it is stable, but it's not sustainable. Sorry. Um, uh, we know that. Uh, that's, um, um, and yet the way we're building out the women's game is copying the men's game and putting it on at the same time. So competing with the men's game, <coughs> pardon me, um, which to me seems nuts uh, that you take a system, take, take a, a structure you know isn't financially viable, isn't sustainable on, on the body, and then you re, and then you just build up the exact same thing. The Women's Six Nations happens on the same weekend as the Men's Six Nations. The uh, November Internationals, are the, it's, it's the same window for men and women. The um, uh, And then you look at their seasons, when is Super Rugby Alpaki? Oh, during the same time as Super Rugby. When is uh, the uh, Premier uh, 15s the same time as the Viewer Premiership? So just copying um, the, uh, uh, the, the the exact same structure, I don't think is the right way forward for the women. But having professional leagues, having more internationals is, is, is definitely better for the game. I just think we need some more thinking outside the box uh, on this one. Yeah, no question. I think because if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result. So trying to do a me too and copy uh, uh, what the men are doing is not going to get the desired results. I I think there needs to be more creativity as far as how the game is developed and how the game is perceived by a fan base where you can actually simplify. And um, also, you know, the venues, the times, probably taking it to 
smaller venues where the atmosphere is going to be better. Some of these, uh, you know, boutique-like stadiums and esplanades. Uh, and, you know, getting getting fans more access and accessibility to these teams. So there's, there's you know, there's a whole raft of ideas. I got a number of ideas, particularly on the game development side of things, where we actually simplify the rules and make it more attractive so that you actually see more running rugby and more points and that will give the opportunity for laymen or people who don't know anything about rugby to actually take one glimpse and say, oh, you know, it's, it's fast, it's open. It's about basically picking up the ball and scoring tries. So I think that's... I mean, but, that's but, 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 please, stop, stop talking common sense. You look, you're not a white, old-age guy with a blazer, so therefore you're not allowed to say. It's as simple as that. Um, again, I don't wear my blazer. I'm not one. I'm not one of part of the in crowd. I'm not allowed to say either. So yeah, it's, uh, we, we 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 whilst we might talk common sense, we might agree. We might might agree. Yeah, take it to small grounds, which is exactly what England did against uh, the uh, Black Ferns. Got ten thousand down in Exeter, and then they got twelve thousand up in Northampton for those games. Pretty much nearly sold out stadiums. Uh, you get a great atmosphere if you do that. You take it to an eighty thousand seater stadium at Twickenham um, and have ten thousand in there, and it's not a good atmosphere at all. Uh, and you're not going to be growing the game. So, um, look, yeah, a lot of the things you're saying, very true. I mean, simplifying the rules. Whoa, what? What make the game understandable for the for for, for people? Uh, look, even the players don't understand what the referee is calling. Um, so, <laughs> and they're supposed to be professionals who play this, who uh, train all the time. So, um, so uh, so yeah, it's a great. Um, so yeah, look, yeah, think different. Unfortunately, that's not the rugby way, uh, as we've seen for um, the past. Paul, what, what, one of the easiest things the women's game or any women's sport can do is geographically, uh, particularly in England, there'll be certain geographic locations where women's and girls' sport or all types of sport are quite prevalent because through participation numbers. And those are the areas you need to really target and you take it to a place where there's accessibility, probably uh, uh, open gate, the turnstiles are free. And you, you know, you simplify the game. And this is something I've been harping on, particularly uh, in my capacity as a world rugby educator and trainer, where, you know, you simplify things around the scrum, around the ruck. Uh, you try to make it faster. Uh, you, you try and make uh, even possibly the game shorter, where you have four quarters and you actually speed things up and you give people an opportunity to actually understand in a very simple way what rugby is and give them clarity. So therefore it becomes a more spectator friendly sport. Uh, but like you said, you know, uh, you know, what, what I'm saying is not really rocket science. It's just common sense. You could use this in, in any sporting arena. Uh, I see this a lot in some progressive sports like basketball, particularly in the half court three by three. And that's why it's one of the world's fastest growing sports. If you look at MMA, it's the same thing, you know, uh, you 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 throw you throw two fighters in a in an octagon, and the person who gets beat up the most loses. It's it's pretty simple. So um, yeah, look, uh, you know, we, we can go on for hours, but I, I hope all the viewers out there they kind of get the gist of what I'm trying to get. At. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, a lot of those a lot a lot of the people that a lot of the pieces that make up the uh, MMA have obviously been part of the Olympics rages in taekwondo and. Um, and uh, I've got which is the other martial art that is that is, is that's at um, the Olympics, and obviously there are a number, number of other martial arts. But again, the scoring and the rules are just way over the head of the of, of your casual fan. And as you say, simplify it down. Which person doesn't isn't standing up at the end? There you go. That's your winner. Um, 
and uh, that's what MMA um, has, uh, um, has 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 uh, has has done, as you say. Um, now they've had to put, they've increasingly had to put rules in, um, but most of those are technical rules that uh, that the fighters know about and avoid. But uh, doesn't alter the understanding for the uh, for the casual fan. But hey, we should move on. Um, I say, yeah, it's been a good. It's been a, well so far. I mean, we've got another weekend of um, women's rugby to come, so it's been good. Uh, so far, uh, but um, it, it's uh, it's a step forward. It's heading in the right direction. Uh, it could, but it could be heading in an even better direction. Um, moving on, then uh, we should uh, looking at the the men's um, internationals. Now, folks, um, we're going to talk. Obviously, we'll kick off with the um, the All Blacks versus Ireland. Now, we are a New Zealand based rugby show, hence we will probably be talking mostly about the All Blacks from here on uh, and what they should have done or what they shouldn't have done. What that doesn't alter is that Ireland were the better team and they deservedly won. So just because we talk more about, about the All Blacks, um, folks, don't take that as in any way degrading um, the result here. Um, Ireland were better on the day and they uh, they fully deserved their win, didn't they, Bob? Well, absolutely. I, I don't think any team in world rugby would have beaten that Irish team on that day. Just the, the, the sheer speed, the passion... And I think they'd, they'd really prepared for this particular game. And uh, there was a, there's an element of, you know, absolute desperation in everything they did. Um, and they, they came full throttle at the All Blacks. And to, to the All Blacks credit, I also, you know, we have to give them their dues. Uh, really, they, they should have been absolutely pumped by 50 points looking at the statistics. But that didn't happen. And they put a, a stellar, uh, you know, defensive effort. But uh, look, Ireland were the better team on the day. They were more hungrier. They were more desperate. Um, and of course, they, they played the game the way it's meant to be. It was a great advertisement for the sport. So by no means uh, should the result be taken as a, a, a shock or a surprise. It isn't. And if you if you actually look at the, the pure statistical side of it, you know, it's it's an alternate uh, win-loss record for the last four. And that... that uh, uh, qualifies now to be what I would call a proper statistical pattern. So the good news with All Blacks is, if we look back on that, on the return game, I think we know what's coming. And the All Blacks would feel a bit embarrassed because, you know, they got shunted out. Uh, one thing I do have to say is uh, All Blacks have sort of been a victim of their own uh, strategy or tactics of these wholesale changes because... You know, if if you go right back to uh, the rugby championship when we were having these discussions, uh, I myself I've been a big advocate of balancing the changes where you have the right amount of experience. Having wholesale changes week in week out does not give an opportunity at test level. You have to understand this is not regional NPC or super rugby. This is test level, so you have to expect test level opposition, and you can't just rock up on the day and just do your thing. It's it's never going to work, and I think. By and large, because we all know the All Blacks, they have the skill set, they have the ability. Um, and we saw the same situation last year where, you know, we have all these wholesale changes and they turn up a bit lethargic. They look a little bit sleepy. They play for keeps. They turn up not to lose and they eventually pay the price. So there's a lot of learnings to be had. But well done, Ireland. Fantastic. And more than anything, really, really enjoyed the way they played. And I think it was a great advertisement for Test Rugby. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll 
disagree on one thing. I'm not sure. I don't think the All Blacks necessarily looked lethargic. Um, and as I said, I don't think I, we can put this result down to their performance. It was the, the result was down to Ireland's performance and uh, uh, pressurising New Zealand into um, mistakes. Now, the... Um, and I think that's what we... we, we and what, what we've... What, what, what I saw an article that was on uh, the Raw actually, where a guy again uh, he uh, talks about is, is a Kiwi, so he, he writes about the New Zealand point of view. Uh, and as far as he says, is look essentially, and it's a, ter a term we've heard for a long time now. He says, look, we New Zealand has not been earning the rights to go wide, and we've had too many um, flash players and not enough earning players um, for this one. He, he 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 takes this all the way back to Chicago, where Jerome Kano was put in the second row. And let's be honest, Jerome Kano, fantastic six, but he's not a second row. Um, so I think it's this isn't a, a one-off thing. This isn't a, um, a foster thing. This is something that's been going on for a, what, six, about six years now, uh, where the, I mean, because I remember sitting in at Eden Park and um, for the uh, New Zealand-Wales game, when Wales toured here uh, before the Lions, and people then saying, look, oh, we're not earning the right to go wide. Now, um, so on that one, it's, uh, uh, is, is this a long-term uh, tactical issue? Uh, I think rather than a lethargic or, or, or changing issue just for this one game. Well, yes, yes, it is a long-term tactical issue in the sense of, you know, picking players one out of position and having too many changes, tinkering with lineups on a very regular basis. You're having 19 to 20 changes coming in and you're having seven to eight different starting combinations in your you know first five and half back and you know you can't get what i would call decent acceptable um 95 confidence into i'm just going to get a bit statistical here what i would call 95 confidence in your run on form and that's what is causing most of these issues in the all black camp and of course the other side of the coin is with the changes in the game and with the way the game is supposed to be policed. Now, I stress on the word supposed to be policed. I fully understand what the All Blacks are trying to do. They're trying to commit lesser numbers to the breakdown. And they're trying to speed the game up. Now, all the last couple of years, World Rugby have put an enormous amount of effort by tinkering pretty much every six months with the rules to speed up the game. But what actually happened in more ways than one, the game is now... When I mean slower, the game is being slowed down, particularly around the breakdown. Now, one of the key pointers I need to highlight is, particularly in Super Rugby, uh, you can clearly see how the breakdown is contested, where there's what you call zero ruck or no contest. The game is policed in a certain way. But as soon as you start playing sides from the Northern Hemisphere, particularly at Tessel, you can see how fierce the ruck is being contested. So this is one tactical area we are actually falling back. And this is an area which needs to be addressed. Um, and also when we ruck, you can see because we're used to playing against sides who, who play the zero ruck or don't contest the breakdown, the body positions are quite passive and upright. And we are now prone to the counter ruck. So again, from a coaching point of view and tactical point of view, these are things which need to be addressed. However, if you do look at some of the counteracts, nine times out of ten, the opponents, they seem to be leaving their feet. Now, the, the, the rule, the letter of the law, as soon as you leave your feet, you take no further part in the game. But because that is not being policed, and you know, all, all credit to the teams who get away with it, they seem to be getting away with it. And this is, these are some of the little grey areas where actually 
losing and losing quite consistently. So there's no real point in persisting with a, a, a tactical plan where we are being very passive at the ruck. And to make matters worse by constantly tinkering and changing lineups, it's just facilitating uh, the demise. So I think these are the two key areas. If we have a, a, a proper squad of 23 players where we have minimal changes, and I'm talking four to five changes so that we build depth as opposed to 19 to 20 and play six to seven test matches, I think we can get over this situation very, very comfortably. Yeah, I know. Effectively, he's been, he's been playing a, a dirt trackers team for the Wales for the USA and Italy game, and then a first choice team for Wales, Ireland, France. Which I don't actually have anything wrong with that per se. What I would say though is that um, we're at a different level, a different stage of development to some of the other sides, such as Ireland uh, and um, uh, South Africa, for example. Now, South Africa, we, uh, you and I, could sit down and say, okay, if everyone's fit, who will um, they who will they start with as a starting 23 and we'll get probably 20 out of the 23 correct because we know because we it's pretty much well it's well known what who their first choices are never settled side if you'd asked us prior to the south africa games in the rugby championship who is the uh, all blacks starting um the, the first choice 23 uh, and i think you'd have sat down with um three or four experts and got three or four versions because they it just wasn't nailed on as to what that starting 23 is. Uh, and so and um, what we are seeing to a certain degree now is that we are seeing some settled uh, over the two South African, two Springbok games, then Wales, Ireland and France. It has become, oh, well, we'll, we'll have to wait until so we see France, actually, to be honest. <laughs> but over those four games, it has become, we have seen what uh, I think now what Ian Foster thinks his first choice um uh first choice 23 is but uh it's 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 been very late in coming and as you say so it hasn't settled down now one argument is hey it doesn't have to settle down until 2023 well we'll see about that uh on that one i was going to bring con in who's joined us how you doing sir how you doing guys very well oh sun's out guns out hey yeah, I'm I'm pulling a boa from uh, from the weekend. <laughs> we swapped swapped clothes. No, sorry, I'm just um, doing some uh, mopping and uh, it's quite hot. So in my mum's house. So anyway, the uh, well, yes, I was. A... Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Now I was going to say, well, well, boa started us off with a um, uh, with, with with a warm welcome. I thought he was going to talk about talking about the warm weather, um, but uh, but there we go. Um, yeah, sorry, go on, but go, go on, Con. Sorry, I'm just going to say, I think. Uh, on the point I just heard you uh, mention about, you know, um, it's not, it, the All Blacks don't necessarily need to be settled in their team and everything like that. Um, all I'd say to that is, it's certainly not the All Black way, well, as a, as a fan, to to be willing to lose games between World Cups to win a World Cup. And I think it's really, it, it's, it's an excuse. That's an excuse. Anyone that says, that says that is has just lost a game. You know, I'm talking about other coaches and that kind of thing. Um, now, uh, some people do put more emphasis on it, uh, but the reality is, you know, we want to win every game. And traditionally, um, you know, the All Blacks uh, recent times, and, and we may look back on the era of the early 2010s to late 2010s as the glory years, 
because they probably are and were. Um, but even historically, we've put everything in. We've done very, very well between World Cups. That was actually the problem pr prior to that. It was we do really well between World Cups and and fail at the at the cup. Um, so I think uh, I, I, the All Blacks need depth, and they should be changing. And traditionally, we still have been able to to win based on that. And uh, um, and I think that's what the fans expect. And I think um, and I think we we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, let that expectation drop. Totally agree. And um, on that note, look, I mean, Ireland looked fantastic uh, about a year and a half to, uh, to a year, year to two years out from the World Cup last time, uh, and then came up short in 2019. Uh, look, they looked they they've looked great over these last two games um, with uh, Andy Farrell, the new head coach there, obviously taking over from Joe Smith, who has just joined uh, the uh, the Blues. Um, but um, yeah, what one of the things I think will that's uh, they'll be preying on for for Ireland is that this is not a uh, uh, not, not a similar thing as has happened in the last World Cup cycle, where yeah, you say they peaked a year or two out from uh, from the Rugby World Cup. But um, look, we, we, we're not, I'm not wishing that on Ireland at all. Uh, look, it, it's overdue them making a semi-final, um, and uh, yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see them do it in 2023. Although uh, on, they on have a, a very difficult run, so their pool is South Africa and um, and Scotland. So they have a, a pool of death, and we know, know now there are more than one pool of death due to Japan. Well, hopefully, still being good. Um, and the the teams that they face uh, first and second are New Zealand, likely New Zealand and France. So um, that's a tough that's a tough path for Ireland, to be fair. Um, as in, you know, if they do if they do beat South Africa and beat Scotland, then they likely will face either New Zealand or France. And if they lose to one of them, they're likely going to face New Zealand or France. And, and that's, they're going to be two very good teams. So um, uh, I feel for them. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to respond to what Nocturnal says on the chat. And he says, you know, this is close to being our very best set. Yeah, that's right. It was, you know, the best available set. But the reality is you can't just pick your best side one week and the week prior you have wholesale changes and walk into a game in Dublin against a side like Ireland and expect to just win. We just don't have the the relevant experience and that age bracket of players. And, you know, the, our senior heads like Sam Whitelock, uh, your Borden Barrett's, we don't have enough of them in this particular squad because we're still finding our players. So the reality is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a question of, are the All Blacks going to make wholesale changes, which looks like that's what they're going to do until they, you know, find their feet? And uh, is the rugby public in New Zealand willing to be understanding enough and forgiving that, yes, they will drop some games along the way, trying to build depth and run on form or exposed form, uh, getting minutes for these players in an off year. But the reality is, Whenever the All Blacks play, the, the expectation is that they have to win every game and win by about 100 points. Every time they touch the ball, they have to score a try. And we know in Test Club, that's not going to happen all the time. And that's what we're experiencing now. So this is uh, this is the perfect cocktail for, uh, you know, Ian Foster and his guys, that demise. And one of the key elements of Ian Foster's coaching or criticisms of his coaching is that there's not enough innovation. So... 
you, you factor all these things in. It really depends on which side you subscribe to. There's less than 5% of all rugby fans in New Zealand who subscribe to saying, yeah, actually, we understand what they're trying to do. Let's let them do what they're doing and we back their tactics. Every single time the guys in black shirts run out, they expect a good, solid victory, regardless of who turns up on the day. Yeah, look, I, I, I'll be honest, I've not read much in the papers or the media. Um, or I, I generally don't, but the general feel I've got just from scanning social media uh, is that people aren't as upset with the imposters as I thought they would have been with a loss, to be blunt. Um, I, I thought we'd see much more uproar, much more calling for his head. Um, so a bit surprised by that, that there hasn't been a calling for him to get replaced by Razor. Uh, maybe people have just given up shouting that because they know it's just not going to happen. Um, but I, 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 just, I thought we'd get more of that uproar. Um, interesting point here by International AK, media. Not... But, sorry. Continue, Paul. Sorry? Go ahead, mate. You continue and I'll say that list. All right. So um, AK, uh, not impressed with Brad Moore so far. The attack is so predictable. Uh, no subtlety or innovation whatsoever that you should learn from how Ireland attack. Now, that's a good point here. One of the things we've not talked about, one of the things not been talked about much at all, is, yes, you've got um, uh, um, uh, Farrell as the new head coach. But what's been the big turnaround for Ireland? Paul O'Connell coming in um, and uh, working with the forwards has been, uh, and as we said, the forwards really outplayed um, the uh, the All Blacks forwards. Hence, uh, so that's his big point. Mike Katz coming in now. Look, Farrell and Katz both got a lot of um, criticism, um, as did uh, Stuart Lancaster, where from when they were part of the England setup in twenty in uh, twenty fifteen. But all of them seem to have come through that. And has shown that they are actually good coaches uh, with uh, Stuart Lancaster at Leinster uh, and now uh, Andy Farrell and um, uh, Mike Catt uh, at um, yeah, with Ireland. So, uh, look, in, yeah, interesting points, uh, interesting things there around those sort of things. But uh, sorry, go on, Com, you, you, you're going to say? Oops, I think it's frozen. Yeah, look, if I can just jump in um, with, with these attack patterns. You know, if you look at Super Rugby, every single side plays more or less the same attack patterns. It's either one three three one, or you know two two two. You know the pods are the same. You know it's it's very very predictable. So and and and, and I don't know. Maybe there's an element of these guys being overcoached so that they become so predictable and drab, and they wait for that little moment where someone like Will Jordan will do a little chip and chase and put someone into space, which is essentially what happened against. Ireland, whereas if you look at Ireland or any of these other sides, whenever they've beaten the All Blacks, they've just thrown caution to the wind and just gone attack, attack, attack. It's what you call the unceasing wave. So from a tactical point of view, I think they will have to look at a different template because there is a large degree of predictability. But if the execution is on point, it's a different ballgame because if we fall intenses and purposes this weekend if the all blacks turn up and you know and they, they have the potential to demolish france then all of a sudden all is forgotten all is forgotten and forgiven and ian foster is back to be the greatest coach on earth so it's uh you know you you live by your sword you die by your sword and it's a week in week out thing and that just shows how much demand uh and, and actually how close things are particularly between teams number one to six. Uh, interesting thought. The, the, uh, let's, we need to move on from this game now, really. Um, let's run through some of the other results. Uh, Scotland 15, um, South Africa 30. 
Uh, I've not seen this one, but a lot of people are impressed with Scotland in this one um, and that uh, South Africa took their chances um, and uh, came out on top, whereas Scotland didn't, I think is pretty much what, what I kind of heard. Um, you're shaking your head there, Bella. Uh, I was so disappointed with Scotland because the previous week, the form line was fantastic. And for some reason, they just lost their head. And all South Africa had to do is basically wait for Scotland to make the mistake and they play their old-fashioned old game. And uh, it was actually very, very disappointing. There was a moment of genius there of Finn Russell. He, the, you know, they played their predictable sort of brainless getting nowhere rugby. And then all of a sudden, he switches direction and tries a cross-kick. Absolute moment of genius. Set the field alight. For me, it was one of the highlights plays of the day. Uh, but I have to say, Scotland, they were their own worst enemy. Uh, and, you know, great to South Africa. They just they didn't do anything different. They just stayed for the mistakes to happen. And Scotland gave them plenty of juice. And to be frank, it was a bit of an early Christmas gift. Uh, but, well, in South Africa, they win again and they just move forward. Uh, yep, they move forward. Um, and up against uh, the up against England um, this coming weekend, which should be an, an absolute uh, a mighty clash, even though England have lost a couple of players um, from um, this one. Um, the uh, uh, LB uh, on the old um, the, the old box um, uh, chip in the shoulder there box so boring the pimpy scored such boring tries. Um, I don't think that's quite what Boa said, but uh, but there we go. Um, moving on. Well, there, let, let, let me let, let, let me tell you something. I was I was following uh, I was reading something on the Daily Telegraph. There's one instance where they described how the box walked into a lineup from a penalty as a very heavy glacier carrying excess overweight baggage. That's what they said. So now this, this is not my words. Okay, This is not my words. Uh, of course, it's uh, English media. Uh, but you sort of get the picture and, and, you know, it works for them. And, uh, you know, they get away with it. Good on them. But look, Mark Pipi is a fantastic player. And he just, he's anything but boring. And that's the whole point of this. When you have players like that, you can unleash them. Uh, but as far as Scotland... Very, very disappointing. And uh, I was tipping Scotland to go for the upset. The way If they play rugby like this, they're not going to win a single game. <laughs> Moving on then, uh, Italy lost to Argentina 16-37. to uh, 37. So a good result for Argentina there, who, let's be honest, have been having a hard time of it recently um, in, uh, in in that one. A decent game against France has shown that actually they're coming in some form finally uh, for, for them. Um Belgium lost to Canada, naught to 24. Now, Canada really needed that win, but apparently Belgium didn't have all of their players available in this one. Um, but after losing to Portugal, uh, that, uh, that, 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 that confidence was really needed um, for, for Canada. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't get any easier um, for, for Tonga, mind you. Uh, they lost 42 to 17 to the French Barbarians, or what effectively is the uh, French second team. There, which I think shows you that uh, look, France have got a, a a lot of good players at the moment. Um, when you think they toured to Australia with um, a whole bunch of players missing uh, for, because of the uh, French final, um, it's uh, yeah. Look, France has uh, has not only got good players but got good depth nowadays by, by the looks of things. Certainly they do. Certainly they do. And, and again, if you allow them to play their game, they are very, very dangerous, potent opponents. So it'll be very interesting to see this week. And, and I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back as well, because we see this pattern, don't we? They're, the All Blacks have a bit of a miss and then they, you know, all of a sudden wake up and they get all angry and they decide to turn up and do the whole 
you know, let's smash them in the ruck and then we see what happens. But no, look, this is a, and, and this is a bit of a psychological test as well because first up, uh, this is going to be the opening game for the next World Cup. Uh, but no, fantastic. I think it's very exciting. And I, I, I'd like to see more closer encounters or more exciting games to open the international calendar as opposed to the whole Plex playing Tonga or uh, uh, a tier two nation because it really serves no purpose. And it's great to see. And I guess we'll all be looking forward to this weekend. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, then, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the, the, France, France, the All Blacks will be a fantastic game. Um, Portugal 25, Japan 38, another cracking game, another cracking game. Um, uh, and as uh, the reviewer says, Portugal nearly beats um, uh, Japan. Again, I didn't follow this one, but um, look, I think Portugal, one of the uh, a team that I think a lot of us really uh, know very little about um, and are suddenly uh, this um, uh, this international window has really opened our eyes to them um, with the beating Canada uh, and then um, also uh, having a decent game against Japan. So, um uh, so yeah, so cracking. Uh, great to see uh, that that result. And then finally, England thirty-two, Australia fifteen. Um, in that one to uh, to finish things. Oh, sorry, I've got to, got some more after this. Uh, England thirty-two, Australia fifteen. Now you're going to be down in Australia on this one and say, hey, this is typical Australia. To me, I think uh, if you look at the number of players Australia are missing from the side that went on that winning run, um, when you think you, they've not got Karevi. Cooper um, there. They've uh, brought in Skelton, um, Arnold uh, into there. The, 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 there's an awful lot of changes between that. And this is a very much a growing team um, within the, uh, you know, with, with Australia. They've just not got the depth. They can't have seven players missing, which is what I think something around that kind of number that they had from this game changes and expect to be competent and expect to be there. Look, they're missing Hodge and Banks, their, their first and second choice 15s. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think perhaps I was a little too overconfident of us with Australia coming into this series because of their record. What I didn't take into account is the amount of players I got missing um, on this tour. Well, yes and no. But this, again, if you, if you compare the two situations, I mean, if you take the depth factor out of it, the, both the All Blacks and the Wallabies, when you have constant tinkering with lineups, this is what happens. It's very difficult to get any continuity and consistency out of players. One thing I will be very critical of Wallabies is their tackle technique and particularly the engagement and height 
everyone looks like a you know stick man or a popsicle going you know running into contact and you know that 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 uh, high shot on i think it was Carl's, was it uh, was it Sinclair or was it uh, Jim George sorry you know there was there was a dead set red card that's there was you know tucking your arm underneath your hip and just jumping in the shoulder um and to make matters worse there was no hia so i thought i put that in there as well um and uh, lucky swinton you know that uh, spear tackle it was very very lucky that uh, i think it was uh, was it uh, itoje i think he landed on his biceps fortunately he stuck his arm out had he not he would have you know landed on his head and neck again just really really poor discipline so at test level you know this sort of ill discipline is 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 really unacceptable and for me uh, that's a real letdown and it's a real coach killer as well yes they're missing some players again uh you know or feel they'll they'll have this drama so they're not going to get any consistent form um if this sort of you know chopping and changing uh is allowed to happen so i think that's really up to management and administration to sort it out uh and i actually i actually believe it or not i actually feel very sorry for the wallabies that they have to deal with this I bet, you know, I bet look there are a number of them that they've that have uh, not been not, not available due to Japan club commitments uh, in uh, Karevi, Cooper, um, Corabetti, um, and uh, McMahon, but even though McMahon didn't even play for for the bank. McMahon, is that I've got the right person? Not sure I have actually. Uh, but there's one of the, there was a Lucy um, that wasn't available. But uh, yeah, injuries have also been a part of it um, as well. Um, there um, uh, on on that one, and then uh, a Cooper couple and of Karevi. Sorry, sorry, Paul. I think Cooper and Karevi had such a significant part in their wins against South Africa. And, you know, for the All Blacks, if we lost our 9 and 10, we we have the next, you know, batch coming through are very good. I think for Australia, it's just it's just not the same. Um, you know, uh, Jock, uh, James O'Connor, he, he did have a good year. Um, but I think uh, his lack of time is, is just... Um, you know, it's just a real shame. It's so, same with you, but I, I feel bad for them. I think the Australian public were probably pretty pumped about this uh, tour. And uh, if they did have those two players, um, it might have made... It's, I think they, you know, good chance of beating Scotland. That was a very close game. Um, this English game, I, I, I'm, I'm doubtful, personally, but, um, you know, could have maybe. Yeah, and look, one, one other thing I have to say and question is, I mean, with Cooper, I mean, is, 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 he, is he really a long-term solution? Because to me, it was just a band-aid just to make sure that there's a, you know, gap stop. So from a high-performance point of view and long-term succession planning, I, I think it's sending the wrong message anyway. And of course, when you're when you're starting to, you know, shoehorn players from overseas, I mean, we saw Kirtley Beal coming in. You know, it's, it is it is going to, because on one hand, you're saying that we want to build a, a team culture of continuity. And then on the other hand, when you have all these, you know, drips and drabs happening, you have to start parachuting players in. So it's it's a bit of a conflict there. So for me, it's, it's very, very difficult to actually build a winning culture. And it's a massive, massive challenge. Do you don't think that he has the leagues to make it to the World Cup, or Cooper? He's not that old, is he? How old is he? Oh, look, he, I mean, he could do. You know, there's lots of other old players such as Sexton trying to make it. So, look, he could make it there. Um, I just, uh, it doesn't help that uh, James O'Connor, yeah, he had a good Super Rugby season, but he's been injured for the past four months, right? And then he's straight back into the side. So, with no warm up games, straight into international tier one rugby, 
uh, it's 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 a bit of a mess. So, uh, look, I, I think uh, I, I don't. Yeah, this is a. I think Australia are in a in a bad place uh, through injuries and unavailable players. Um, they were trying to rest certain players and give them proper pre-seasons for next year um, as, as well. And uh, yeah, this has become one of those tours where I'm not, I'm, I think perhaps take it with a bit of a pinch of salt as to what we might see from the Wallabies uh, come next year uh, when they have the full 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 deck of cards to, to, to choose from. Uh, final two results in France beat Georgia 41 to 15, and Wales beat Fiji 38 to 23 uh, in that one. So. Um, any comments on those two games? Otherwise, we can. Uh, we've got some Super Rugby um, schedules to chat to talk about. Well, Wales versus Fiji. I, I have to say, there was some atrocious on-field calls, and the DM of came came to the rescue of surprise, surprise. Rassi Rasmus's favorite referee, Nick Berry. Um, so it's 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 really interesting how. Well, rugby always seemed to be able to stage manage people back into the game. Um, look, guys, you know, there's, 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 to me, there's some really bad calls in that game. And I think Fiji were, uh, it, it felt like Fiji got stitched up to me. And the real highlight for me was when Fiji were down to 13, the try they scored. Oh, my goodness. That, mm. that, was, that was next level, you know. Uh, just Broken play, quick tap from a freak, uh, from a, a, a fair catch, and they brought that seventh element. And I think, look, this is that's what the modern game is all about, and that's actually what world rugby are trying to do. So, uh, and in that instance, the key factor was the referee or the officials had nothing to do there, <laughs> the players just played on, and everyone just followed the play. So, uh, I, I, I really feel for Fiji. And uh, the scoreline sort of flattered Wales. Um, and, of course, that uh, stunning solo try from uh, Reese Lightning, Louis Reed's summit. Uh, once upon a time, that wouldn't have been a try because, you know, there was really no control. And, again, controversial in the sense uh, most fans, particularly the online reaction, is that most people think it's not a try. So this, again, highlights the disjoint between what World Rugby's new set of rules are and the lack of the knowledge which is required to be ruling on that or understanding what the rule is from the rugby public. So this is just keep this just keeps going, getting worse and worse and worse. And thank God the TMO was a little bit competent enough to save the on-field referee Nick Perry. And I have to say that. So that's uh, last weekend. We got what the final weekend of uh, internationals coming up. Um, Italy versus Uruguay. Uh, so only be interesting from the point of view is can Uruguay beat Italy um, and uh, and uh, put more, uh, I guess, add, add more ammunition. To people saying that Italy don't deserve to be a tier one nation. Scotland Japan a rematch from the uh, Rugby World Cup um, there with that one. Um, Romania versus Tonga. Um, so uh, uh, again, I, I, finally Tonga getting a, a, a good chance there. Georgia versus Fiji. Um, so yes, the top European tier two nations against against uh, the Pacific Island tier two nations would be interesting. The first game I'll probably be getting up for is the four fifteen for England versus um, South Africa, um, which um, should be uh, a which which would be a cracking one. Um, as um, LB has said in the live chat, he's looking forward to shutting up the English and particularly shutting up their head coach Eddie Jones. Um, but we'll wait for, we'll wait uh, wait and see what happens there. 
then at 6.30, we've got Wales versus Australia. And then finally at nine o'clock, France versus New Zealand. So um, uh, three uh, cracking games back to back there. Monday morning at 3.15 uh, a.m. We've also got Ireland versus Argentina to round off um, the window with uh, some uh, with the Barbarians game coming up the weekend afterwards. Um, the uh, uh, and uh, moving on, then we have had some uh, Super Rugby um, fixtures announced for uh, next year. Um, Fourteen games over uh, fifteen weekends uh, is the regular season with uh, one weekend rest um, for each of them, um, and um, a uh, couple of um, uh, things I guess to discuss from this. Um, First up, we have apparently got some innovation, boys, uh, in that uh, we've got a super round in round two where all the games will be happening in uh, Melbourne in uh, three double headers over three days. Um, what do you think of this idea of having all the games in one place for one weekend? We tried to do it for the Trans-Tasman, uh, the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, didn't they? But they had to cancel it. So I think it was, uh, well, it will be the first time they've done it. It won't be the first time they've tried to do it. But um, I... I, I I just wish they did it at a location that they were likely to get great crowds. I mean, is Melbourne really going to do that well with, you know, the huge number of Super Rugby supporters in Melbourne? I don't know. I haven't been there, so I'm not, not really sure. But it doesn't look like look that good when you're watching the Rebels play, that's for sure. Bella, your thoughts? Oh, look, I, I, look I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I, I'll tell you what, it's just too long, and particularly when you're watching, when you're a TV viewer at home, and give... And, and we know, you know, TMO interjections, the water breaks and medics and all this. It just drags on and on and on. So I think two games is actually quite, if you're a real student of the game, it's it's mentally quite challenging. So I'm a fan of one good, decent, short game. In and out. Um, and yeah, to me, it's just, yeah, it's just probably just dragging things on. Others may disagree. But for but me, wouldn't it be the same, Boa, if... Sorry, it just cut in a little bit. Wouldn't it be the same, Boa, from a from a, a TV viewer? Because often it would be in a similar time frame as other games. They tend to have them back-to-back in different locations. So I wouldn't be surprised if some TV viewers don't even realise. Because they're just watching a game, they'll have the break, they'll have the, you know, the thing, um, and then they'll jump into the next one. They'll probably rotate the commentators a little bit because the commentators will fucking lose their voice after after two days. So <laughs> yeah, I think for a TV, uh, as you say, Con, for a TV viewer's point of view, I think it's, there's, there's not really much difference. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is something that's, that's going to happen there. So look, this is something that uh, that happened in uh, the uh, Super League up in the UK. Uh, the NRL then adopted the idea and called it Magic Round. Um, and uh, this is really this idea of calling it, look, when you're taking a good idea from somebody else, just admit it. You don't have to call it innovation. Um, I'll be honest, I'm skeptical. So what I did was I got Richie from um, the standoff show, our NRL show, to uh, have a quick chat with him about what, uh, about how it's how it's gone in NRL, whether it's a good idea. From the uh, the standoff show, our one of our NRL experts here on New Zealand Sport Radio. Um, how are you going? I'm going good, thanks, Paul. How about yourself? Not bad at all. And uh, we have um, Super Rugby Pacific coming up next year. And uh, after copying the goal line dropout or dropout from under the post that the NRL do, 
um, and also the uh, 5022, we have a new um, innovative um, idea that comes straight from NRL, which is um, the uh, Super Round. Uh, now, you guys have what's been called uh, the uh, Magic Round since 2019, where all the games are in one place. And what do the fans think of uh, of the concept in, um, in NRL? Oh, look, I, I haven't, obviously, being based here, I haven't attended, so I can only go off what what I, I see and and, and the um, opinions of people in the league circles that, that I mix with online. And by all accounts, the fans love it and um, the fans like to get along to it. I know that um, last year in 2021, it was reported that uh, there was about 25,000 interstate visitors to the region and to Brisbane where Magic Round was held. So um, going off going off that, I, you know, it seems as though the fans do enjoy it. Okay, so there's no kind of upset that they're missing away, missing out on home games or anything and that uh, uh, and, and having it all, all in one place. That Everyone's happy about that by the sounds of things. And so 25,000 people traveling, that's, that's clearly good. I mean, uh, what, what kind of crowds do they get, and is it the same for all the games, or does just people just just turn up for the home game and ignore all the other ones? Well, it, the, the the numbers actually, if if you look at the average attendance outside of Magic Round last year, uh, the average per game was ten about ten thousand three hundred per game, or eighty three thousand across the whole round. When you look at the numbers for Magic Round, the total attendance across the whole weekend was 130,000, so 130,000 versus 83,000 for a normal round. Um, that was at an average of about 43,000 per day at, uh, across three days for Magic Round. So in terms of bums on seats, it's, you know, there's it, it a bit of a spike there. Um, and local economy likes it too. I mean... They reckon it brought in around $20 million into local economy as well. So going off going off those metrics, I think, you know, the the rugby league circles and, and obviously uh, Brisbane, Queensland um, area would consider it a success. Yeah, and look, the uh, Queensland government paid two, $2.1 um, per year for the first two years of this, I'm sure during COVID it'd probably be a bit different. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there is a money side of it as well as as as, as well as the the fan side. But um, wow, by all accounts, it's a good thing. Um, I'll be honest, I'm skeptical of the uh, of the idea, but um, I guess we'll see. But so yeah, stealing a a, a good idea from NRL. Um, thanks, Richie, and uh, good luck with the uh, the standoff show when you guys are back next season. Thanks, mate. No worries. So there we go. So apparently it is a it is working in um, uh, in NRL. We'll see how it works in, uh, in in Super Rugby. Other things we've also got is a women's round, a culture round, and a heritage round. Now, the women's round I exp is uh, during March, which is when uh, Super Rugby Alpaki is on um, or Alpaki sorry is on. Uh, so I expect to see double headers uh, in that round, and the uh, Chiefs wearing their pink jersey. Um, Culture round, I expect teams to be wearing Aboriginal and Maori designs in their jerseys. And Heritage round, I'm expecting that means basically uh, retro jerseys. But um, Con, you were hoping that it might be a bit more, might be a bit more to it than just wearing some jerseys. Whereas uh, I'll be honest, I'm being cynical and uh, thinking that it's a uh, just a marketing 
thing to try and just get some more eyeballs on the TV and some fancy jerseys. It could be. I mean, you know, you probably swayed me a little bit, to be fair. Uh, I, I I expect I'll do a little bit more than the jerseys, um, but maybe the idea started uh, as the jerseys and they'll have to fill it up a bit. What I mean by that is I expect the... Um, the uh, um, what's the what's the first one, uh, Paul? Not the not so the heritage women, one. What's the other one? So a women's round, culture round, and heritage round. Culture, yeah. So maybe culture. They'll they'll do quite a bit in the pre-show and have some sort of tribute, um, cultural tributes, and that kind of thing. Um, I'd hoped it could have been something else, but I'm not sure what I, what I'd hoped for. To be honest, I think with heritage, I I had. Said, uh, you know, it would have been great if they'd, um, you know, taken the games to somewhere important in the region from a, um, you know, rug- rugby heritage type thing at the grassroots level. Uh, I think you're right. It'll be it'll be vintage retro, uh, you know, jerseys, um, which would be kind of more of amusing, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's um, it's. I think the 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 woman woman in rugby is that what it's called, Paul? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one's probably the one where they'll do the most interesting, um, you know, thing. Which hopefully is as you've suggested, curtain raiser, um, or or a double header with the the other um, with the other super uh, rugby, the woman super rugby. I forget the name, um, or or something similar. Maybe the uh, depending on the schedule. Uh, which would be really cool. Um, so hopefully they they do something quite interesting. And I do have just some hopes that if they keep doing this, they they uh, take advantage of it and give people a reason to go beyond just looking at some new jerseys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the review gave yeah retro crusaders like they would do that now. Yeah, I think the crusaders will perhaps put the old badge, but on a uh, but on a uh, a retro coloured. <laughs> rather than necessarily bringing the badge back per se but there we go yes um it'll be the big the big 90s jerseys you know the big baggy ones that they used to have i i i particularly have to play in cotton you can't play in you can't play in artificial fabrics brilliant yeah that's true but they yeah the crusaders in particular i just recall you know razor robertson and you know um a few of the other players just in these reuben thorn in these big bloody jerseys that look you know you can swim in them um but they were quite cool yeah, very very iconic jerseys. This was when uh, Ubix was sponsoring uh, yeah, Super Ubix, Ubix. and uh, the most iconic uh, Crusader was Norm Berryman when he had his Canterbury black headgear and his man bun ponytail. Uh, and yeah, it was uh, sensational. I've, I've actually got a whole collection of those, and I might actually wear it next week for. Uh, for, for the broadcast. One thing I have to say is with this whole culture thing, uh, look, it's, you know, you know, limiting it to one week, to me, it's just a marketing gimmick. They don't have to limit it to one week. Uh, they can incorporate this right throughout the competition, particularly given that we have Moana Pacifica and the Fiji and Duru are both playing in, and they can incorporate this and, you know, uh, get some innovation and get something now on a weekly basis. And, and look, guys, I'm not being cynical here, but, you know, the, the, the marketing person in me says that, you know, it's just like that Tereo, Tereo week where, you know, you, you go to Bunnings or Harvest and they talk Tereo for one week and then out it goes for the rest of the thing. It's, to, to, to me, it's just, just get some extra dollars and just, you know, change, 
change the, the point of sale sort of thing. So, you know, use that heritage, you know, use the woman in rugby, use the family, use the final concept and, 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 you know, spread it right throughout the season. There's really no reason why we should just limit it to uh, uh, one week. It's kind of like on the National Geographic channel where they have Black History Month. I mean, are you just going to keep it to one month? Just have it, have it right throughout. So it's it's no different. It's the same concept. And to me, it's a bit of a marketing game. Uh, yeah. So there is, it's, uh, you're right. Yeah. I think it, it, it is a bit of a marketing thing, but um, it does bring some awareness to it, et cetera. But uh, yeah, look, it, it, yeah, as you say, uh, there's, there's no reason why it couldn't be spread out across the whole thing. Um, look, overall, we've got, uh, we, we, we've, we've, we've got the structure. Um, there's, there's every team in uh, New Zealand gets, gets at least one afternoon game. Uh, the clearly, the Blues like that concept. So they've got three of their um, home games are um, uh, are afternoon games, um, which is uh, um, which is a, uh, a, a a good thing I think for them. Um, where so and um, the uh, a couple of teams obviously miss out on some home games because of that super round because uh, there are only fourteen rounds. I would have thought you'd do fifteen rounds and then you have one round that is or thirteen rounds and have one round that. Uh, is the super round rather than losing a home game, but there you go. Um, that's uh, is it is how it is. Um, we have a, a, a Wednesday, sorry, a Friday and a Saturday night game at seven pm every week, which is good to see um, for us. It means we can just set our uh, um, uh, set our set our clocks and just tune in and know we've got a game to watch. Um, I don't think that's quite the same for Australia with that same regularity. I think that's a good idea have that regular slot that you know the game's going to be on. You can forget about who's actually playing. You just, you just know I'm going to be on Friday night and watch a game. Um, so that kind of thing is good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Finally, then, we've got some World Rugby Awards, uh, the nominees. Um, so the coach of the year um, is going to be between Dave Rennie, Simon Middleton, Ian Foster, and then Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney as a joint nomination there for those two. Um, I think a few of us in New Zealand will be head scratching our heads at uh, Ian Foster getting nominated there, boys. Good record. Well, that's probably what they look at. Yeah, it was, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly right, Con. I think statistically, and, and I'm only purely looking at it from statistics, I mean, you know, it was 91% win ratio on the championship. Uh, so, I mean, you can't argue from a statistical point of view. And then you look at Dave Rennie in the Wallabies. They made a decision. I mean, you know, Rennie's lost, Rennie's lost three against the Wallabies. And now he's dropped another two games. And he could very well lose another one. So, I mean, how on earth then statistically is Dave Rennie there? So, to, to, to look, to me, it's a very difficult question to answer because the qualitative factors come, clearly come into play as well. Uh, but based on what I'm seeing now, I would actually look at the, the English Roses women's coach and actually throw whoever's coaching yeah. right in there because clearly that's where the improvements have come in and, and the consistency. So to me, it's a bit of a head scratcher, really. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I actually think there should be no. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's Colin Middleton. He's, he's, he's nominated, right? Um, <laughs> Oh, okay. So there we go. So I don't think Dave Rennie or Ian Foster have got a chance. I mean, either going to be Simon Middleton, who is the England women's head coach, 15's head coach, 
or Alan Bunting and Corinne Sweeney, who are the Black Ferns um, sevens um, head coach for the uh, the Olympic gold medal. So I think it's going to be one of those two will win it. Um, I think Dave Rennie and Ian Foster are there just making up numbers. Um, it's uh, yeah. uh, in all honesty um, for for that one. I would have thought Wayne Pivax with his uh, with his turnaround um, between like last year and Six Nations win is probably you know up there. I, I guess it depends when they when they made the decision because did they make the Ian Foster decision before the weekend just been because it would look actually like a very good season and he's kind of an it's kind of almost a first season you know like I think last year you know sort of I mean there's probably a bit more rugby up up north but um. Yeah, Wayne Pivak sort of seems like because he was written off, wasn't he? And then it wasn't an amazing Six Nations win, but you know, shit, it was a Six Nations win. So it, it was I Six Nations win, uh, but it, it was it was the jam slam um, with a number of red cards and stuff the opposition got, um, etc. So look, it wasn't yeah, it, it wasn't a resounding uh, win by uh, by by any stretch of the imagination, and that's totally stolen um, from the attacking scrum podcast, folks. Um, great fans of theirs uh, was on one of their shows recently as well. So uh, uh, my, my my destination for all things Welsh rugby. But yeah, as I say, I think Dave Rennie and Ian Foster they're making up numbers. Simon Middleton. Um, so yeah, basically England fifteens uh, or the uh, Blackfern sevens should win that one. Um, uh, the uh, breakthrough player of the year, um, Will Jordan, who was dropped for not following the game plan and then reselected. Um, Andrew Kellaway. Uh, who I think has had, a cra- has had a cracking season for the um, uh, for, for the Wallabies until he was moved to 15. Uh, Lewis Rees-Zammett, um, obviously a, a young guy who went on the uh, the Lions tour but didn't get selected for the test matches. And Marcus Smith, who also ended up on the Lions tour as an injury replacement um, as well there. Uh, look, it's uh, it's good to see that there are some some really good young guns coming through and I, I wouldn't mind any of those guys getting, uh, getting it personally. Anyone you think there's been missed? I think you know there's been a bit of a cry about South Africans missing out, and, and I think I, I as I'm going to get I'm going to get off that said, later. <laughs> okay, I, I was just going to say I think it's because yeah no no I'll let you get onto that. Um, but uh, I think there are probably some players that have missed out. I think it has to be stringing some games together, and and we're obviously biased. I think if Will Jordan wasn't in that uh, in that play, we would have been quite you know pissed off. And perhaps that's fair because he's just had such an incredible try scoring uh, season. But yeah, um, no one jumps to mind. But if I thought about it hard enough, I'd probably come up with a few Northern Hemisphere players. Now, LB says, Lutheran times only played two international games this year. Yeah, now I guess one of the problems we have, and it's not clear, is when does the year start and when does it finish? Um, because uh, as these are uh, being announced now, with clearly uh, the, lo- the last round of games won't have been included. So, so I would guess that uh, the November internationals from last year are included, and these none of these ones in this window are, which gets it to be, as you say, was Imposter announced before or after he got to, he lost to Ireland? Well, clearly before. Um, so it's all a bit messy, and uh, doesn't really help uh, that year. LB reckons it's a normal calendar year. I can't see how it can be. Um, it seems a bit straight, but anyway, um, if that's how it is, that's how it is. Um, Sevens player of the year, and I'll be honest, this is not an area I've got any information on. So, um, but uh, Napoloni, uh, Bolica of uh, Fiji, and also Juta Wanakuolo of um, Fiji, Scott Curry of New Zealand, and uh, Marius Montea 
of Argentina. Now, I do remember an Argentinian player doing very well at the uh, Olympics, so not surprised by that. Um, I say I can't comment on those. If you guys can, then feel free. Otherwise, I'll jump straight on to the uh, women's uh, sevens player of the year. Wani Kohler, no question. Statistically, if you look at all his work rate, meters covered, his head and shoulders above. Scott Curry did well. He'll probably come a distant second, but yeah, Wani Kohler by a country mile in daylight. Uh, moving on to the women's ones then, um, and uh, Ansley Sifioni of uh, France, Sarah Hanini um, of uh, the uh, Black Ferns, and then uh, two more Fijians in here, Repi Ula Nsua and um, Aloesi Nakoli, uh, Nakosi. Um, now, again, sorry about the pronunciations there, folks, um, for uh, that one, uh, for those two there. But um, again, I can't uh, comment. Uh, Boa, any insights there as to who you think is going to get it? Not, not a lot of information. So the only obvious pick there is uh, the, the, the local girl, the Black Fern. But uh, to be frank, I don't want to disrespect the others by make, making that comment. So I don't have enough information to make that call. Moving on to the Women's uh, Player of the Year on the 15th side. And uh, unsurprisingly, two players from England, two players from France. Uh, Zoe Aldcroft and Poppy um, Cleal, um, and then um, Caroline Bouchard and uh, uh, Lorraine Sanzus there in that one. Again, uh, we're not going to, uh, we're not, not, not going to, our ignorance is with this one. Um, well done to whoever wins that one. And then, as um, Con says, uh, look, the first time since uh, 2004, I think it is, that uh, New Zealand have not had a, an All Black has not been uh, nominated. And there are no, uh, none of the Lions Tour winning South African Springboks nominated for Men's Player of the Year. So, um, yes, real strange ones there. The uh, As you say, the All Blacks, as we've said, coming into this, only lost one game um, before these nominations were made, maybe two, uh, where, and um, the uh, Springboks, as we said, beating the Lions um, and uh, held world number one. So the top two, top two teams in the world have no nominees for World Player of the Year. Interesting. Um, and I'll be honest, actually, with, uh, so the, we've got Anton Dupont, uh, who I think is recognised as being the best uh, scrum half in the world, uh, obviously of France. Maro Itoji of uh, England and the British and Irish Lions. Michael Hooper um, from the uh, Wallabies, who has been ever present. And then Samu Karevi, who, look, is arguably the best 12 in the world. But how many games has he actually played? Um, before disappearing off. So a um, bit of a strange one there for me with Samuel Karevi. Look, as I say, arguably the best 12 in the world in international rugby, but I just don't believe, I just don't think he's played enough games uh, in that one, to be honest with you. Um, well, uh, absolutely. Look, it's a bit of a joke, really. I mean, this, this, this is a bit of a joke. There's two players in my mind who, who really should be there and missing. Uh, Sia Colisi from the Springboks and Jordi Barrett from the All Blacks. For me, those are the two standout players. And I think I'm tipping more towards Sia Colisi purely because of his work rate and his ability to have captain the Springbok side, you know, against uh, uh, the Lions, uh, a victory against him. And of course, his exploits uh, in the recent past, uh, you know, really bringing that team up and particularly his, his work rate. So to me, apart from DuPont, everyone else is just, yeah, a real question mark. I'll disagree with that. I think Michael Hooper. Um, deserves to be there. I think he's, I think he's mm. been cracking for, for, for Australia and arguably 
the best seven or best uh, they're out there. Um, Mario Toji, I, yeah, again, I'm not sure he even, I'm not sure he, he, I, I could probably pick two locks I would have ahead of him in a World 15, to be honest with you. Um, so to have him uh, in there, yes, he's a very good player, but I don't think he's been, um, I, I'm not sure that he should, should should be there. I think him and Karevi, Toji and Karevi, I don't think deserve to be there. And as you say, um, definitely see a Khaleesi. Uh, and if we're looking at the All Blacks, as you say, Jordy Barrett's probably had the most consistent season out of anybody. Um, but, I mean, you've also got um, another Lucy in um, uh, Quagga Smith has been has been fantastic for, for the Springboks. Um, Ludi Aga totally turned around the uh, the uh, Springboks line-out against, um, against British and Irish Lions as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's a number of players there in the, the, the Springboks that I think should be there. Um, but um, but yeah, Toji and Karevi. Uh, I I just don't I just, I just don't get it. I wonder if they're using yeah. like if like this is the problem of re, there's a bit of recency bias. I mean, did Toji have a great Six Nations and and it's just uh, you know uh, I watched a lot of the games I just couldn't tell you. So I wonder if they do well, go back a bit. Um, he can't have had too great at one because England came second last. They did, they did, but um, but Australia didn't do, haven't done all that well. well no, I suppose the the Australia that those two players, you know, are probably there due to those two ones against South Africa. Um, recently, you know that those games went really well, um, and a series win over France. Well, Caribbean. Well, Caribbean only played five games, so I don't think he was in the the France games. No. Yeah. Look, don't don't, gentlemen, don't, don't get me wrong. Hooper had a great game, but if you look at match winners for Australia, uh, it was you know Quade Cooper. Uh, yeah, he could have been. You know, so I mean, you know, so where do you draw draw the line? And of course, the the, the Wallabies got absolutely walloped by the All Blacks. So based on that logic, you know, I I don't think Hooper deserves to be there from an individual point of view. If you look at his work rate. Yes, no question about it, world class. But with the overall picture, so based on that, if you look at what Jordi Barrett did for the All Blacks, particularly, you know, meaning that, uh, you know, let's face it, he, he, you know, he, he's been head and shoulders above overall statistics, points scored, and Sia Colisi. And for me, I think there's no question Sia Colisi should be the player of the year. The, um, so, yeah, so I think those, those, yeah, so, so a lot of head scratching around that one. Um, I think I saw somewhere that it's going to be a public vote as well to see who wins it, which to me makes it basically a farcical um, award um, from that. How so they come up um, there? Is that not a population vote, basically? Essentially, yes. Um, so, but it does seem to be well. The, well this way, this way, it gets confusing because there is a World Men's Fifteens Player of the Year um, voting panel, and then there's also a vote now button, which lets you vote about a lot of these things. So I'm not sure if it's just a if there's a popular vote and, a, and an actual winner, um, or just to see whether the whether the uh, the population agree with the uh, with the experts, or whether those experts were just done to, to create the shortlist. Um, we'll have to wait. I, I don't know about that one. Um, so uh, yeah, let's hope it's not a public vote because it does make a bit of a farce out of the whole thing uh, if they do go down that route. Um, uh, we've lost Boa. We've run over time. So uh, thank you very much, Boa, who has disappeared off um, for uh, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Con, as it's uh, got very dark where you are. 
uh, and you'll be looking like you're out of a um, some kind of um, uh, Queen Mama, uh, no, um, Queen uh, sort of um, video where they just have the heads showing and they're singing away. Anyway, some um, weird, weird, weird art. Yeah, no, fair feel. Weird art. Yes, clearly, clearly you're on you're on some in interesting pills. Um, so um, thank you everybody who joined us in the live chat. Don't forget you can also um, uh, listen to the podcast as well as such New Zealand Sport Radio uh, and become a supporter of New Zealand Sport Radio at patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.